Hi everyone, this is Katie from the Silver Screen Queens podcast. We wanted to let you know that we are hosting a special screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens on December 18th at 9pm. That's just one day after the movie comes out in theatres. We'd love to see all of you dressed up in your best Star Wars costumes so that you can enjoy the movie with some fellow geeks. After the screening, we'll be recording a live episode of the podcast and a Q&A where we will A all of your burning Star Wars cues. The screening will take place at Palace Electric Cinemas in Canberra. Tickets cost $17 plus a booking fee and can be found via links on the Silver Screen Queen's website or on our Facebook page. Can't wait to see you there. Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queen's podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Spectre, directed by Sam Mendes and released in 2015. The plot of the movie goes something like this. After making a mess in Mexico City, James Bond is stood down from spy duty, but he can't ignore the warnings he has been given about a sinister secret organization. Meanwhile, in London, M and Moneypenny deal with an equally sinister threat inside the government. And Q, too. Yes. Uh, Q helps on both both, yes. both sides. I didn't know where to put that. Um, yes. Another James so, Bond movie. Uh, yeah. Captain James Bond, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, Vaguely-ish. I, along, uh, mixed up with some uh, yeah. Mission Impossible stuff and some... Yeah, I've I been felt a, like I'd seen this movie before. Yeah, I've been a James Bond fan for like 20 years, which is how long it's been since Goldeneye came out. But I really think at this point they're just going through the motions. I think Skyfall was good and I think Skyfall would have been a really good one to end on or to end for Daniel Craig and this team on. Uh-huh. Uh, but they came back. And I'm not sure that uh, okay that I, this was the best necessarily the best plan. I think I, I feel like they're kind of trying to mimic the success of the Mission Impossible films by building up this team around James. Yep. yep. And also they're trying to mimic the success of like because modern cinema goers with with Marvel and with all the you know sequels and stuff that we're used to, we tend to like uh, storylines that carry through movies, right? That's and and familiarity kind of and and lots of and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and so like I, I can sort of see what they're trying to do because this one felt more like a team movie than any other James Bond movie yes yeah. yep true um Q and Money Penny and M are kind of James's backup team in this one and they're mm. like but it does they don't get the balance right um the thing about that worked for me so well as you know about the recent Mission Impossible movie was that Simon Pegg was so great in that movie and he provided all of the wit and the leverage and the uh, not leverage what's the word i'm looking for are you levity try, levity are you thinking that he made it like leverage and therefore he I made like it like leverage <laughs> <laughs> no no he provided wit and levity, levity yep. and fun and so when he was in trouble, you felt bad. There's a moment in this movie, there are two moments in this movie where Q gets in trouble and suddenly I was actually invested in the movie, like twice. And then mm. one of them turned out to be nothing. I was just freaking out for no reason because somebody shot through the window right next to his head and he moved his head out of the way. And I was like, oh my God, he got shot, but he didn't get yeah, shot. Yeah, I was worried when he when he got on the ski lift thingy as well. Yeah. But then that went nowhere. Yeah, that was weird. Well, this and this was, I actually even quite, we're relatively invested in Daniel Craig. I think he's really good. I just I don't think... disagree with you. I think I, it's the same problem as with uh, with I, I just don't... any of these spies is that you never think they're going to get in actual trouble. Yeah, and this one was also overly long. So long. The um the big reveals at the end didn't have a heck of a lot of weight to them. No, because you there already was, knew, basically. There was a really good introductory scene of um, 
Christoph Waltz's character at the beginning, the way he was introduced in that meeting, I thought was done very well. We didn't see his face until he finally realizes James is in the room and makes some cuckoo noise at him. But the end, um, and I don't know if we sounded the spoiler alert, but we're sounding the spoiler alert now. But at the end, when they have the big fight at his base where he's, he's revealed to be Ernst Avro Blofeld, just kind of like, eh. It just was, I didn't feel it was particularly sinister. I never was worried that they were going to get out of it. Yeah, I know. And then that, that, the weird thing about that was this whole torture scene where he's talking about affecting ja- parts of James's brain that has no consequences whatsoever. No, he he's torture thing, he doesn't work. He's a drill thing in James's brain and nothing happens. What was that? I think it was supposed to be a callback to the Stavro Blofeld big laser scene. Is that Stavro, is that Blofeld? The big laser, you I know, don't, I don't, no. what do you I, expect I've, me to, to talk? No, I expect you to die. I think that's yes. what I felt. Um, I've, I've recently read a bunch of recaps of the Bond movies. I'm not, I'm not a big Bond fan. I've seen a lot of them, but none of them really do much for me. I have more fun when I can mock it than when I'm tr- supposed to be taking it seriously, I think. Yeah. Because when I'm trying to take it seriously, all these problems come up. Like this one was very, I'm going to put my arch nemesis in an easily escapable trap. I actually think you hit on something there. They are better when they're not trying to take themselves too seriously. Like the old Bonds, which are like hideously sexist, like period pieces from an era that you just you couldn't make now. They're at least they're honest about their hideous sexism and they're like they're all about like trying to create this throwback of a character who was outdated even in the world of the 1960s when and he came of age. They're silly, fun. they're funny, you know that they're stupid. And these ones are trying to be serious and they're trying to, I think, capture a bit of the, I, I think the Bourne movies also mm. are a big influence on yeah. the, these ones. And what happens is that things like that opening sequence in Mexico City where a helicopter lands in a massive crowd of people and James gets on the helicopter to chase this guy and the first thing he does is go after the helicopter pilot because crashing a helicopter in the middle of a crowd of like 100,000 people is a really sen- – like it's just so stupid. Yeah. And they have this serious fight and all the time I'm thinking, "You, what are you doing? You're going to crash this helicopter into these people. Yeah, literally and, what I was thinking too. And James Bond like has – yeah. If you're going to make it serious, you have to care about that kind of collateral damage. Yes, exactly. If you're going to make it serious, you can't do the things that this movie does. Um, Yeah. And and the thing is, there's some jokes in that early part that made me think that maybe it was going to be a lighter movie. The whole first hour is kind of really different in tone to what happens after Mm. Leia Seydoux is in, in... Gets involved. My brain is not introduced. Working. Introduced Thank is you. that the word you were looking for? Um. So yeah, there's that whole like the beginning part. I think was kind of better. Plus, when uh, the one of my favorite moments in the whole movie was when Bond first shows up at Q's headquarters, and there's this really heavy sexual innuendo between them, and uh, Q makes this little joke. Where he goes, I told you to bring it back in one piece, not bring back one piece of it. And then he cracks himself up. Favorite moment of the whole movie. But yeah, there was, it, well, I like that, that whole little scene, the, um, the bit where he says, you're just going to feel a little prick. prick. <laughs> and yeah, there's also, I mean, there is also a classic James Bond joke at the end where she flings his watch, which is about to explode and says, time flies. That's a great James Bond pun. But there's not a lot of that. And, it's really conf- – I think the movie's trying to be too many things because mm. it's also got this subplot, which is actually a really interesting subplot. I know you don't care about it, but there's this, this nine eyes subplot where the these nine countries have got together and they share information. Now, the thing is in the real – share intelligence through like hyper-surveillance. Now, in the real world, there is actually this thing called Five Eyes and Australia is part of it. 
and it's like all these English-speaking countries that get together and share a whole lot of intelligence. So that bit to me is kind of interesting. The surveillance state and the state powers and combining with private industry and surveilling using people's own things against them. That's to me that's an interesting subplot. But this movie tries to shoehorn in that. It shoehorns in a Blofeld, very traditional blonde Bond plot where Spectre is trying to get into all aspects of Bond's life and he's got to chase down these different villains. And then it's also doing – it's trying to do all of this and it also doesn't know what tone to take. It's trying to make a serious Bourne film and also have cute little James Bond one-liners and it's trying to do too much and it's not doing any of it well. Yeah, I want to make it clear. It's not that I wasn't interested in the concept of that storyline. It's that I wasn't interested in the execution of it. Um James isn't there. Q's not there for a lot of the time. Money Penny doesn't have much to do. You never really feel any threat towards any of them. Andrew Scott is, I like Andrew Scott, but I feel like both he and Christoph Waltz are completely wasted in this movie. Because oh, his the, ending's bad too. The, the entire sort of purpose of having those two actors is in a Bond film is go full throttle. Mm. These two guys can switch from like likable to crazy in half a second. I mean, that's what you put them there for. And neither like, of them, yeah. Look at what Christoph Waltz can do. Look at Inglorious Bastards and Big Eyes and the stuff that he's been in where he goes from being cheesy to a genuine threat in a heartbeat. Mm. And then you look at him in this and you're like, why did you cast well, him? Why bother paying for Christoph Waltz? to do your Blofeld when this is all you're going to use him for. And the same with Andrew Scott. Like, yeah. why – if you're going to hire him to do that part, like, take advantage of it. Yeah. But, again, he's – and he gets defeated a little too easily, I think, at the end. It has he just falls silliest, down. This, one of the silliest deaths, like, death scenes I've ever seen as no, well. see, I – okay, I know there's a lot of references in this movie. There's heaps of them. I think there's one – there was one that I sort of picked up on early on and then I started realizing that there were references that were going over my head mm. that I knew had to be references, but I couldn't figure out what they're references to. Because early on he, he says, my American friend Felix will take care of oh, you. And I'm Felix, like, his yeah, American yeah, Felix friend Lighter. Felix dies, right, in one of the Bond films. Yeah. Um, the, the one that I saw, which was the, the Grace Jones one, I think is the one where he dies, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh, it's, it's too, I get them all. I've seen all of them at some point. They're all mixed up in my head. Oh, too. no, I've seen a lot of them, but I saw this one recently, the right. Grace Jones one. Although I don't know if, I, I think it's a kill, is that it? one? Yeah. Which has Felix the, shows up again in Goldeneye, too. Yeah. But see, yeah, Bond villains, like in that, it's got Christopher Walken going at, you know, at 11. Like, yeah, at yeah, the movie. yeah. You've got to mm. do that. But yeah, so there, there were bits and pieces where I was like, I feel like that's a reference there and I'm not getting it or that's going over my head. Then the cat shows up and I was like, <laughs> oh, it's Blofeld, <laughs> things like that. But the, the, the Blofeld thing, like he was also a big villain. Why mm. would you have Christoph Waltz going so small? Mm. Um, and he, he has these good lines too. So why not like amp it up? Yeah. And C Christoph Waltz of all, any actor who can play that can do that well. He could mm. play the silly lines but make them menacing. He could play the silly lines and make something of that villain. Yeah. But you, you're shoehorning Bo Blofeld and we into like this movie with us already overstuffed and overlong. And and the retconning felt very retconning. Oh, God. It didn't feel generic. Uh, no. Jermaine? Uh, <laughs> it didn't feel organic. It felt retcon it felt like mm. they were we didn't even drink anything today. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Um. Yeah, it, do it doesn't mm. feel like it, it – was real. Yeah. 
It just feels like this movie's trying to retcon things. And I think yeah, that's, big that time. this is, I mean, the Captain America thing, mm. the organization that is evil, that is actually part of their organization. And, but it, it, but because they bring it all in late, it doesn't have the same impact no. as Hydra's always been in S.H.I.E.L.D. It no. doesn't have the same impact. We, we don't have that Bucky connection. They're bringing well, in all these new people. Right. And there's also a really big problem with Leia Seydoux in this movie. I don't think she's a bad actress. But this is a fucking terrible part. She mm. goes from being cool and hating Bond to sleeping with him in what's less than 10 mi- minutes of movie time. Yeah, maybe a, yeah, like a day or two of their time, yeah. And then she's all, I love you. And you're like, really? You met him two days ago. Like, or, or a week ago. I can't figure out time yeah. in this movie, but still, not well, very they, long ago. And they try, again, this is another thing at the end where they don't, they try and make it put emotional weight on that relationship, which is what they did in the Vespa Lind one. Where, but that felt weightier. Yeah, but they haven't set it up. Even though I don't really like Casino Royale, it still felt weightier. Yeah, they just didn't set up the payoff. It doesn't have the crying in the shower scene, the vulnerability from Bond scene, the bit mm. where they connect. There's nothing like that. You don't get any of that and no. you don't get any chemistry between them. I didn't. No. There's really stupid and it, it doesn't work at all. And then she says, I love you. And then she leaves him, but then she gets kidnapped. So we have to care about her again, even though I was like, oh, she's gone now. We don't have to worry about yeah, her anymore. I, Cause I figured they were having her leave because they normally the woman in her role has to betray Bond. Or there has to be a woman in a role who betrays him, and I think right, they might have been inherently untrustworthy. Yeah, and I think they might have been trying to avoid that, which is you know good on them. But they didn't sort of. I don't think they knew how to deal with her if they no. didn't. If they didn't have her as untrustworthy, or the five minute cameo as an Italian widow from Monica Bellucci, they didn't know what to do with her. No, they didn't really know what to do with Monica Bellucci either. I mean, that mm. was literally just sex position. That was her whole yeah, role. Was she could position. Yeah, exactly. And she could have done something a bit more. They could have done something more interesting with her. But basically, she fulfills that tiny little role, and then never we never see her again. And then Money Penny gets to do some stuff in the beginning of the movie, but then the rest of the movie she's just running around with M and Q mm. and not doing anything. And not, while Q not- does everything, which I understand because Q is the most likable character, right? He's the yeah. Simon Pegg. He is the yeah. guy who. You like and you but care Ma- Money about. Penny. Uh, she had a fairly major role in the pre-credit sequence in Skyfall. Yeah, and she's got like we've established that she's got these interesting spy skills, and she's very clever, and she's resourceful. Yeah, but she also and- chose not to be a field agent. No, that was I know. Her choice, but got a particular skill set, and she they could have used. Yes, I agree. Much more yeah, than they did. They, why didn't they have her? I mean, they they had Q and M do everything while Money Penny just kind of follows them around. It's very frustrating. Mm. Um. But and and she is cool. She's like there's a bit where she says, "How do you know you can trust me?" And I'm like, "Well, obviously he can trust you because you and Q are like the cute people from the last movie that they're bringing back." Mm. And then yeah. Q was introduced earlier, of course. But yeah, but I but, think because they're both just, adorable and likable, right? And, and also there was that thing at the end of the la- in the last movie where she's decided she doesn't want to be out in the field, but then you know circumstances or whatever mean that she's forced into these situations. Mm. Like you can write something interesting yeah. there. Um, I also I can't be the only person who was thinking Rory Kinnear must be a bad guy for the whole like mold. Oh the whole yeah, because he was just he was like a shag on a rock. He was yeah. just like wandering around with them. I was like, why is he here? What what does Roundface have to do with this? He literally is there to drive the car at some point. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just so they can have him and and then Em and Bond mm-hmm. in a different car. Money Penny could have driven though. Yeah, I know. I it's know. not like she was doing anything else. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. The whole thing is weird. Um, um, I really liked Dave Bautista in this movie. Yeah, yeah. He was 
I, this feels like a very good Dave Batista role. It's that's an old school um, Bond villain as well. He's like Jaws or one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. No, he has one. I think one line of dialogue. One word. <laughs> one dialogue. word. Bless. They get one swear in this movie, and they used it well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. But he uh, he plays that role well. He yeah. does the mute threat. Yeah. Very well, and mm-hmm. you know he's so big and so imposing, and he looked nice in that suit that he wore on the train. Yeah, I liked yeah. that. But actually, that train that. Was another thing where the, that fight they knocked Leia Seydoux's character out for like in about three seconds just so that uh, Daniel Craig and Dave Bautista's fight could big fight could happen. It's just mm. like she was mere seconds earlier, she'd shown her ability to shoot and fight and all this, and she does come back in the end. But like it just sort of well, felt she like saves James so that James can save her. They had to yeah get her out of the I way. I feel like that's a thing now where they're like, oh, she's a strong, independent woman. Watch, she'll save the hero so that at least two seconds later when yeah. he ha- saves her, it's okay. Yeah. Um. But but I did like that train fight because yeah. I felt like that's the most kind of you really feel like mm. Dave Bautista is a threat. Yeah, he is so big and, and so, so scary that he is genuinely threatening. And when he's knocking Bond around, you're like, wow, that hurts. Yeah. Doesn't leave there a are, mark, but it hurts. it hurts. Well, and th- and that was a good um callback to From Russia with Love, the whole train thing, which is always. But then they two seconds later, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why? Mm. Really? It was Why? Too she easy. was like a different person when she walks down the into that dinner and there's no reason for that change. <laughs> no. It is like she's a different person and she doesn't have any character traits that you can pin down to being this character. There's no. nothing about her that you can go, yes, this is this character. Mm. She isn't consistently resourceful. She isn't consistently smart. She isn't consistently anything. No. She is whatever the scene needs her to be. And that was why I think it's so frustrating to watch her. And there's no chemistry with Daniel no, Craig at all. None. There's much more chemistry between Daniel Craig and Monica Bellucci in their one scene together. Yeah. M- yeah. Worked much better. They should have kept her in it. Oh, yeah. She would have been great if she'd come back a bit or had a bit more a bit more to do. Or they like. completely rewrote the whole movie so that she was the lead romance. Yeah, well, she could have been the lead romance and then betrayed him and then, I don't know. Yeah, but him. I don't I don't want that. I don't think they want to do that. Um, but she could, the you know, hmm. anything other than what actually happened would have been. I feel like the, I, I really kind of liked the first bit of this movie and then it, as it went on, it lost more and more of my attention and my hmm. interest and my, like, affection for it to the point where at the end of the movie I was like, isn't it finished yet? Yeah, it just, and then they have that one cute little scene between Q and Bond right at the end mm. where he goes, uh, where Bond is like, I need something. Q's so happy to see him. Mm. And then he Q does this little smile right after it and both of us, they, they do this pan of the car and both of us were like, wait, Q could be in the car and he's not. It's the girl. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cute scene. But uh, it, such it boyfriends. felt like they are adorable together. I do ship it. Um, It just felt it just went on too long. So long, and there were too many. Like there was just too many bits to kind of wind up. Yeah, and when and just as yeah, and just as you even, thought it was over, even the surveillance storyline is Hydra. I've realised mm. just now. Even it's that totally storyline is Look, Captain and, America, and it's totally like it's a really relevant story to our present day. It is, right yeah. down to the bit where people are setting off terrorist attacks in order to um, make governments become more. Um, to put put more money and resources into surveilling their populations, like which was exactly super, what Captain America was about. Yeah, it, super like relevant and fascinating, mm. and like you know, especially in light of you know events that happened yesterday, like yeah. totally relevant. But also, it just it doesn't really fit no. in this movie. And you know, all those real life secret organizations with 
um, octopi, octopi is there. Well, oh, let's talk about that opening credit sequence, shall we? Oh God, yeah. I was, I was, it was embarrassed. Old, real old school Bond opening credits. I was embarrassed to be sitting in the cinema watching that. I was like, what the hell is going was, on with um, this? It was not good graphic design either. Like the the colors were weird. The I just the flaming hand on his naked torso it, thing yeah. was weird. The like naked girls all through it. I know that that's what I know that that's what Bond does. Mm. But they've been moving away from it because I thought they were coming into this century and going yeah. that we're making a new Bond. So why go back to that when you know that it's not right? And it just doesn't fit with the tone of the film in any way. And it doesn't fit with post Skyfall world, which and as you remember, Skyfall had a better, much better t- title sequence. It didn't wasn't quite so hideously exploitative and also looked way better. No, but and had a better no, song it didn't as just well. just have a better title sequence. The title sequence for Skyfall was really relevant because what happened was James was shot by Moneypenny. He hmm. goes into the water and then immediately it cuts to the credit sequence and the credit sequence is all about him when he's yeah, like dying, it remembering his life, yeah. going through this graveyard and he sees his grave and he shoots himself and that, you know, the bit at the end where yeah. they, they all came up, all the... um the shooting targets came up and they had yeah, his face yeah. on it. And I was like, oh, that's that's a Skyfall credits reference because mm. that kind of and, – and it, yeah, it had the great Adele song, but also it was really relevant to his mental state and it mm. sets up his mental state for the movie we're about to watch. Yeah. The credit sequence for Spectre sets up nothing. And it, it doesn't – it was just like – um, it was a bit like the credits to Star Trek Voyager. I'm just waiting for them to be over. I use it to like use the time to get up and get a drink. Like, it's and it's just... very tentacle porny. Yeah, and the tentacle porn from the um the Hydra, not it's not Hydra Spectre, the Spectre octopus, which is like again a great little metaphor of tentacles being everywhere. But it just nothing was done to establish it. No, but then there's this stupid bit where on Q's computer he brings up this like DNA. Thing oh, that makes literally from no the sense. Ring. I do, yeah, yeah. The DNA of all these different people link back to um, wh- how? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just- it makes no sense. And then you see that's what the Spectre logo is. It's yeah. like all these guys down the bottom and linking up, and you're like, no, how? What? Also, this movie really wants you to forget the Quantum of Solace happened. Yeah, like they reference Green in dialogue a couple of times but you never see him they never mm. put up his picture there's no yeah reference to it whatsoever and i i kind of liked quantum of solace i'm having difficulty remembering quantum of um, solace but it's got it's it ends up in a hotel in the desert that's what i can remember look of the four most recent ones i think skyfall was the best one mm. but i preferred quantum of solace to casino royale okay casino royale probably had better emotional stuff but i thought quantum of solace was okay and I thought the girl in that, which was Olga Kurylenko, was really terrific. She Mm -hmm. had her own agenda. She didn't have – she never at any point had to be uh, tied into Bond's story. She wasn't just going along with Bond. You've just hit the good – the Bond girl – that's that's good Bond girls. And this is is why they end up, quote-unquote, betraying him. Good Bond girls have their own character, their own agenda, and their own mission – and they just happened to cross paths with him. Yeah. And they're not, like, brought in because Bond needs a girl. Right, exactly. And that's what was really great about her is that she was on this revenge mission for herself and she goes through with it and she absolutely doesn't ever 
kind of go off that track and mm. she's very bloody minded and interesting and yeah. and much more interesting than Leia Seydoux was. Yeah, she's um, a character, right? <laughs> yeah, she's a person, which is and Quantum of Solace definitely wasn't the greatest and it was too long as well and yeah. and you know, it had some problems, but I enjoyed it because I liked her and I thought she was great. Mm. And also because Bond, I think they they made good use of what Daniel Craig does as Bond, which is to be this kind of angry brutish kind of bond mm. like he he just lost vesper and he was he was not in a good mental place and yeah. he was just kind of mowing through people and he when he he and and the girl she was so extreme that she made him less extreme which is an interesting way to go mm. with that that dynamic that they have to put in this movie so this movie it seemed to be like she was trying she was softening him but it doesn't ever feel right it doesn't ever come across mm. it feels more like and and there was in in the original script there was a bit where q got kidnapped i think because i've seen it floating around that there's a bit from the script where q's not there when he goes to find him and james is upset and you're like that would have been more believable yeah because that be, relationship is more believable yeah and they're, they're very like fun together and there's there's this kind of spark when they talk to each other and yeah bond is kind of entertained by q and q is irritated but also likes bond there's the there's yeah. a thing there and, and money penny and bond have a good thing too yeah. and then money penny and q kind of you know they didn't really do much together but they could have yeah and money penny and m as well have yeah. an interesting relationship yeah i think um daniel craig is the right actor if they were going to move into this century with Bond he really understands the character he's very introspective about it he understands James Bond's bullshit really well yeah and i think they could have take they could take more advantage of that and that's when it works best when you can like the reason he's so good is that he's not the suave kind of male model type actors they've got for this job in the past the ones who just saunter in and like or, you know, leave a bottle of champagne like he does for Q when he takes the car. That's Which, a very old by the way, bond. Very flirty. Yeah, adorable, but also very old bond. Yeah, and like he's he's not like that. And I don't. And they're trying to make they're trying to shoehorn him into the old style character when what he does best is the new style character, and that yeah. could be that's got a lot of potential. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. They're trying to put stuff on him that doesn't match his bond mm. they're trying to like use this nostalgia value yeah and the thing is he's the first actor who's really fully fully gets bond's crap like his it, you know his bullshit i think is I the think best word for it i think he's the first one who well i don't know that that's true i think sean connery very much got it he just agreed with it <laughs> yeah does that make like yeah, yeah, sean yeah. connery totally but, got who bond yeah, was but, but daniel like craig yeah daniel craig recognizes the the macho bullshit for what it is mm-hmm and wants to he wants to interrogate that he wants to play with these tropes yeah. I can, you can tell and you can tell from all his interviews as that well that he's frustrated with this that one he's, particularly and that he's not being allowed to really explore because they start they keep they start down some interesting paths some interesting things to explore and they never and they always want to bring it back to hitting particular lines and particular tropes to i don't know to please the people who liked this 40 years ago i, I don't know well, yeah, people go to Bond for a certain thing. But, I mean, when the two of them hooked up on the train, I groaned and, like... I remember. I feel like there were some people in the audience who didn't like it either, just from there was, like, was this so, shuffling kind of feeling, you know? It was so sudden as well. Like, yeah. it just happened and we're like, oh. Because 
when she was telling him to back off, it felt genuine. Yeah. There didn't wasn't any chemistry. Exactly. Like it's, and it's also, not like she had every right to tell him to back off. He led the bad guys straight yeah. to her, immediately almost got her killed, then saved her in the most dangerous way possible, by the way. Mm. Like with that plane thing, that, you're yeah, like, you have no accuracy here. Yeah. You could easily just kill her. I think that's a reference, but then I was in my head. I was trying to remember all the bonds that had snow in them. Then there were so many that I gave up. Um, yeah, that's just stupid. And there have there is I know there's a trope of Bond winning over the the lady of the moment, but usually there's like a reason for it. Usually you see no. Usually he just kind of forces them into it, and then they go with it, like with Monica. Bel- right? Yeah, Bellucci. Um, but usually you can see it happening. You can see there's some kind of chemistry there, yeah. even if the chemistry is them fighting. There's not even – when they're fighting, there's not much chemistry. No, there's nothing. It doesn't work. It does look amazing. Yeah, Hoyt van Hoytma, he's good. He's really good. He also – he was the cinematographer for her, which mm. I didn't remember, which is interesting because her is a very different look to this. But still gorgeous. He also did Interstellar and this looks a bit more like it. But at the same time, I like that he can do a bunch of different things mm. with his cinematography and they look diff- like different movies, but they're always really gorgeous. That's really mm. cool. There was a particular shot towards the end where Blofeld and Bond meet and Blofeld's behind glass and they use mm. the reflection – Blofeld's refle- reflection next to James's face really, really well. I forgot. He also does this little bit where he breathes on the glass yeah. and draws a heart in it. Uh-huh. And then Faith does that to Buffy in one episode of Buffy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's in love with him, which also was not canon in Buffy, but was in my head. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just had this <laughs> moment where I was like, oh, my God, they're in love, um, which makes the whole adoptive brothers thing a bit weird. But they're not really. <laughs> it's more like Clueless. Which it's the whole like, oh, and and then the adoptive brothers thing <laughs> is yeah brothers. and that's so badly retconned as well especially after like we've just had Skyfall and like the whole that was weird that and yeah. it, the cuckoo thing you're like yeah Thanks. you're cuckoo you are not you are cuckoo why would you choose cuckoo and then uh, then they have to explain the thing about cuckoo's pu- eggs pushing other baby birds out of the net like okay. Yeah, it was yeah. so stupid. They're trying to make it personal, but you're like, but this doesn't feel and personal. And I'm assuming the cuckoo thing is a reference, but again, it's just not working here. I had actually a couple of Buffy moments in this one because there's a point at which uh, Blofeld shows James and uh, and Leia Seydoux his rock. And I was <laughs> yes, like, it's a big rock. Can't wait to tell my friends they don't have a rock this big. <gasps> yeah, well, there is that. It is stupid though. Like it he's so sitting there waiting to show them his big rock. It's I think so, it's and, and it's, it's there's this whole thing where he's like, when it chooses, it, it was ra- racing through space all alone, and, and then, then it chose but to again, crash. It didn't choose. No choice. Yeah, and it doesn't. It's all this like faux philosophical conversation that doesn't actually tie into anything that's happening in the movie. And then the thing about oh, he won't recognize you, the one person who could have understood him because you were the daughter of an assassin and he is an assassin and you're like that doesn't make sense it no. doesn't make sense if she were an assassin maybe she would understand him but this doesn't make sense no that that whole bit that dark room with the rock i think that was all done so that blowfield could emerge from the shadows like it was all done to set that shot up and then there was absolutely no use for it so they actually moved into a bit of set that could advance the plot it was um it really yeah and it was this was a way too long movie anyway like it really needed a an, an edit. And, I mean, and I think that it, scene could have built up tension mm. from Blofeld, but it doesn't do that because they don't let him go big enough and because yeah. there's no kind of real genuine connection. So yeah. there's no – you don't feel tense and the whole point of the scene should be to build tension. Mm. 
and their payoff at when they blow up his lair. Like, okay, it just doesn't feel yeah, it just earned. explodes. It just, it just, you know, they blow up him with the watch, and then they blow up the whole lair, and it just like that. It doesn't feel earned <laughs> at all. A moment during that, there's like twenty guards, right? And Bond just kind of casually walks around shooting them. Just walks in a straight line and I'm like gee it's a good thing they're all stormtroopers and yeah. can't hit a guy walking in a straight line while he shoots all of you uh-huh. it, it's really? so dumb and th- again that's that's like old Bond the non-realistic stuff like if you're going to go old unrealistic Bond go full old real old well if you're going to go Bond Bond would get shot in the leg and then parkour yeah. off a rooftop and then keep going like- <laughs> exactly go you have to you have to pick – you can't just be like try and shoehorn modern things into the old thing and think it's going to work. You have to commit to whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. yeah. I just – I don't know. I, I mean, the, I didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I was going to be bored by it going in. Hmm. I really thought that when, when I went in, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be so boring. And then I remembered Ben Wishaw was in it, and that made me feel a little bit better. Um, but – yeah, and there were funny moments and there were cool moments and, and it looked really nice. Um, and, yeah, I didn't dislike James as much as I thought. I, yeah. I just have this feeling like I don't like him because I just don't care that much for the recent Bond movies. Yeah. And so I just kind of associate that with him, I was even ho- though he's actually yeah. all right. I was hoping I'd enjoy it more. I really enjoyed Skyfall, but I just – it's forgettable. Like, it it's is forgettable not and it's doing anything for pointless. Me. Yeah. And it it's trying – I do really feel like it's imitating a lot of other movies but not making them work mm, for yeah. this story. Which is funny because those other movies do what they do because they were trying to move away from Bond and now Bond is trying to be like them and it's just silly. Yeah, there's that. I mean, and, and this is the year of spy movies too. Yeah. Um, this year we've had – like, was Kingsman this year? I think it was. Mm, yeah. We've had Kingsman. Ugh. We've had um, Mission Impossible, Spy. We've had um, something else we saw at the same week as Mission Impossible. Man from Uncle. Thank you. Which I liked. I yeah, don't know yeah. why I forgot that one. Ironically, that I gave that one well, a really low rating, and it was probably it stuck with me more. Than and, well, and, and the, although but, I loved Spy, loved it. See, the Man from Uncle actually committed to its old schoolness. Yeah, it, and it and it works because you like it. It it may not be for everybody, but it it has it knows what it's about, and it's committed to it. Yeah. The storyline in this was almost as confusing as the storyline in Man from Uncle. It's so not convoluted. quite, but for some reason I had this genuine feeling that I, I thought for the whole thing that Blofeld and Leia Seydoux were brother and sister. And oh, yeah. I don't know where I got that idea into my head. It was somewhere early in the movie where I was like, Mr. White was also, had also survived the avalanche and was the same guy. Right. That That for some reason just kind of was what I thought was happening. Yeah, no, I, I got that as well because there was that picture and stuff. I was like, is that Mr. – is that the same guy? I can't yeah, quite right? remember. Yeah, so you, I, I kind of I, had this... I sort of figured – I figured they weren't, but like just because of the age gap, but yeah. Well, yeah, but the, Mr. White was so old. Yeah, Mr. White was old. That's true. So but... he could have easily had a child when he was like 20 and then had another child when he was like 40. Yeah, yeah true. And it wouldn't really – uh, you know, I I th- I just figured that he had moved on, and like when when his son faked his death, he had gotten a new mm. person, that new uh, identity, and gone off and had another kid. That right, was my okay. that was what I thought <laughs> that was going on. And then they were t- that it didn't occur to me until Leia Seydoux and and Christoph Waltz were together that actually no, they weren't related because mm. otherwise he would be more interested. And then he was talking about them about Bond being his brother, and I was like, wait, when did that happen? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and the, he was then. the missing face in the in the three hikers picture, and like mm. I saw that picture, but uh, then I still didn't realize that that was his other that that was his son. Like that, yeah. I just was like, oh, he was there too <laughs> with another short, shorter man. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I didn't. It never like I didn't add anything together. I really kind of didn't know what was happening a lot mm. of the time in this movie, and I think it's partly because there's so many plot threads to try and keep track of. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather just go watch Captain America two again, again and then go watch the bits of Mission Impossible that I liked and mm. Man from Uncle that I liked and watch all of Spy again because that movie was terrific. Yeah. We saw it like what we finished watching it like an hour ago, less than an hour ago, and I'm already like, wait, what did we watch again? Well, you, uh, we, we at the in the credits, I was like, when did they go to Tokyo? Yeah, well, and I, you were like, oh, remember that one meeting? And I was like, no, I, I really yeah, they, literally didn't they, remember by the time the credits roll a whole scene from this movie. Well, uh, I'd I'd almost forgotten the Mexico City bit from the beginning as well. Oh no, I remembered that because I liked it. I liked it until the helicopter thing that made me mad. But I, the first bit where it was all one take, that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, the, the single mm. shot, that was really fun um, and made me think of Daredevil. It was, it it was good. It was good. I Just that helicopter thing ruined that scene for me. I just couldn't stop. Like, But all these people are there. This, yeah. this is not like James Bond. The other he would thing not that, want to kill these people. The other thing that I thought was weird about that is there's a major explosion a couple of streets away and then people are just still having the parade mm. and then they go to a big square and there's a helicopter that lands in the middle of it and everybody's well, like, whatever, let's every, just keep yeah. partying and until like well after the helicopter takes off and starts swooping and then they're like, oh, maybe we should stop partying and you're like, you think? You big think? explosions, shots. A helicopter <laughs> landing in your midst, like a, a helicopter lands in the middle of this big parade that's in the middle of this big square, like, is that not weird? Yeah. Like, is that normal to you? I don't think that's normal. It no. just, and, and that sort of threw me, like, cause that whole, yeah, that opening bit with the, the single take, it was great. And I yeah. thought that was really well done. Right, all the way to the bit where the, the building collapses yeah. and he falls through all those layers and he legolasses down bit, the thing. And, there's a bit where, where, uh, Ray Fine says, you, well, he was very Voldemorty in this movie, by mm. the way. Um, he says, you blew up a building. And I was like, did he? I thought he was just shooting at he people. Was sh- and then- no, he was sniping. That building was rigged, I thought. Yeah. That was my impression. Somebody else tried to kill them Although while he was shooting I at can them, understand how back in England they might get the impression that he'd done all of that. Yes, I do. But James Bond then doesn't say, I didn't do it. No, he just is he like, just, uh-huh, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, did he actually do it? Because he clearly just had a gun. So how did he blow up the building? Yeah. It didn't make sense. Uh-huh. It didn't make sense. I was very confused. Yeah. I didn't yeah, I didn't really enjoy this movie. I will give it two stars. That's my rating. Two um, stars. Um I liked it slightly I was gonna give it two stars, but I liked it just in it more than enough more than you that I would give it two and a half, I guess. Okay. I think I'm choosing get two stars because it was pretty and I really liked Q and some of the funny bits mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yeah. Okay. There's so much about it that just I it if if I had watched the first hour of it and then reviewed it, it would get a higher rating. Yeah, me too. But then it went on for another hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, none of this makes yeah. sense. It was definitely an hour too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes uh, or find tickets to our screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens on December 18th, you can do that at our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're at Twitter on Twitter at screen underscore queens, on Facebook at search for Silver Screen Queens, and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And uh, if you want to read Katie's review of Spectre, Spectre. <laughs> and any other movies that she watches, you can find them on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.